Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis, and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today, we're talking to a bookseller in the UK who uses TikTok to talk about rare books. I'm joined by Tom Ayling, who works for Yonkers Rare Books in Henley-on-Thames, right by the river. Tom has uploaded dozens and dozens of videos to TikTok about a wide variety of bookish subjects from the Hobbit first edition to how Graham Greene caused a rumpus with Stambol train, rare Bibles, Shakespeare first folios, and collectible Harry Potter books. He has close to 200,000 followers and nearly 4 million likes. Tom's a master storyteller and his videos are educational and entertaining and almost certainly winning a new audience for rare books. So let's, let's hear from Tom. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Richard. Thank you for having me. That was very generous of you. Cheers. It's true. It's true. Um, but let's start right at the beginning. Why are you using TikTok to talk about rare books? Um, well, yes, I mean, I kind of see what um, what we do in TikTok and we upload videos on, on Instagram as well as a kind of natural extension of what we do as booksellers anyway. You know, at the heart of what we do, we're offering great books for sale. We're talking to people about books. We're hopefully getting them excited about rare books and book collecting um, and helping them and advising them as they go on their collecting journey. So videos about what we do and the sort of things that we sell operate as a kind of accessible entry point for that. Um, and they also, I think, have the advantage of showing off the the object, you know, the book or the manuscript or the piece of art in in question far better than you know say a, you know a 45 degree angle photo that you normally um normally see see online um and you know i try to make the videos quite fun because at the end of the day that's what book collecting is is supposed to be it's supposed to be fun and i think it's important to convey that if we're going to get as many people you know interested in in book collecting as possible so perhaps a common criticism crit criticism of the rare book world is um traditionally book collecting is thought of a of a pastime for older perhaps more wealthy people but mm. here you are uh, on tiktok which is primarily a channel for young folks do mm. you think you're finding a new audience a new audience of of new collectors yes no i definitely do think it's a new audience um of collectors that we're finding there um and not not just demographically. I mean, TikTok skews young. You know, it skews sort of 18 to 18 to 30. Um, but there's plenty of people older than that who have um, got in touch with us or started collecting books because of TikTok. Um, it brings lots and lots of people to our bookshop in Henley so they can see our books in person and, you know, maybe hold a book that they've seen a video of online or or buy one, add it to their collection. Um, and it brings lots and lots of new people to to the book fairs that we exhibit at. We exhibit at all the major book fairs around the world, and you speak to people at them. And you know, there's there have been these amazing events in their home cities for years and years, and they're only finding out about them because they've seen one of our videos on on TikTok or Instagram, and that's prompted them to buy a special book as a gift for someone, or to or to get into book collecting. Um, so that's been really quite, it's taken me aback, really, the the number of people who it's, you know, seeming to 
excite and get coming to these events and start visiting antiquarian booksellers and um and you know get either get into book collecting on a on a one-off thing or, or on a continuing basis so at the beginning when you went to your boss and said i think we should do tiktoks what did he mm. say i think i mean i I'd, I'd been thinking that we should do video content for a while um because there wasn't much you know much video content out there um that was really that I saw really having an impact and getting people interested in book collecting and being super engaging. Um, and what's good about TikTok or Reels on Instagram as a starting point is that it's quite easy to get started with them because you can talk about a book for 60 seconds, 90 seconds, two minutes and see what happens. So it's quite neat. It's quite easy to fit around all the other work that we do as booksellers. Um, and yeah, you know, obviously it starts slow and you have, you know, five people watching your videos and then, um, you know, keep at it for, you know, well, a little over a year now. And it, and it does have the potential to, to really grow. So how do you choose uh, your subject matter? Um, that that varies, really. I mean, I'm posting I'm, I'm making videos every single day I've posted. You know, I think last year I posted about 420 videos to TikTok. So I'm always looking for ideas and thinking of ideas. Um, so it might be a book that I've been working on that day. We've just got it into stock and I've been cataloging it. It might be a collection we've just bought or, you know, tying videos in if we're heading off to a book fair. Um, at the moment, we're working on a new catalog of fine books and manuscripts that we're hoping to get out by the end of the month. So the videos that I'm thinking about and making now are all books that are in that catalogue. So that's where the first edition of The Hobbit comes from. We've got the, these beautiful um, deluxe editions of Winnie the Pooh that were limited to only 20 copies. Uh, first editions of Jane Eyre and Northanger Abbey and Persuasion and Proust. Um, so, so it really is just sort of looking around at, at what we're doing, the books that are coming in and looking at you know looking at the stories that they might that they might have to tell um and because of the sort of books that we look to look to stock we're very very picky about the books that we um we take into stock and offer to our customers we're usually getting books in because they're exceptional copies or because they've got a story behind them whether that's their provenance or through an authorial inscription or through the life that particular book has lived um, so they lend themselves quite well to um to making videos about so your inspiration is literally coming over your desk <laughs> yes yes i suppose so i mean sometimes it's just you know sitting there um you know waiting for me when i get to work in the morning um and sometimes it's you know scan scanning our shelves or you know looking inside books and finding you know finding new angles about them or um, or things to talk about. And the wonderful thing with with old books, you know, is that, you know, if you look hard enough or um, studiously enough at something, you're going to find something interesting to say. A story. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you actually, uh, this is a technical question, but when you're actually making the videos, you're using your phone, you, where are you recording in the home or 
or in the shop. I mean, I noticed one, I just, I just watched one where you were out at the weekend and you were at a, a plowing contest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, occasionally if I'm doing something a little bit weird or interesting just in my personal life, then I'll, uh, I'll put it out to TikTok to see if people are, um, people enjoy that. But no, for the most part, I film. I film at the bookshop first thing in the morning before we open. So we're not overrun with people um, coming into the shop, you know, while I'm while I'm filming. So the, the majority of the filming happens there. I do a little bit at home as well if I'm um, uh, if I'm sort of doing a bit of a more sort of narrative video or general book history, book collecting video. Um, and I do all of my live streams at, at home as well. And do you do you edit them much? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they need sort of cutting down into that short form format. Um, so there needs to be a, a bit of trimming and, and that sort of thing, um, but not too much. It's not massive, uh, masses of stuff. Um, I like to film with two cameras so you get a different angle of a book. Um, so I might be talking about the book to one camera and then have another camera where I can sort of show a book up close um, and do things like add subtitles over the over the video so that people can you know follow it more easily um but there's not a huge amount of you know editing it's not a kind of hollywood suite style um, video edit so i i also notice how you uh take inspiration from the comments that you're getting on previous videos as a reason Mm. for making a fresh video to answer a question or something like that so you, you seem to like really engage with the community in a wonderful way Yes, no, I mean that's one of the one of the really, really wonderful things about it is that it does build community because apps like, you know, TikTok and Instagram are now skewing away from your social circle and towards the circle of things that you're interested in. That's how they put videos in front of people. And what that means is that, you know, you can build a a, a really lovely community of like-minded people. In my case, it's just you know, the people that uh, watch my videos are people that love books and are curious about books. They've often got loads and loads of questions about them. Um, so it's great to be able to answer, you know, as, as many of those as I can um, in my videos. Right. Um, so perhaps you can tell us how you started in in book selling. You're, you're, I can see you on, on the screen now, but you're a fairly young man and anyone who watches your, your, your TikToks will see that. Um, how did you begin? Yes, well, that's very kind of you. Um, I, I, I got interested in um, book collecting and, and rare books and old books at university. Um, because of what I was studying at university, I often needed books that were um, that were out of print or had been long out of print. Um, so that's what sort of first got me aware of the, you know, the secondary market for books. But But at that stage, it was really just using old books as as access to the text not actually dealing in them as as historical objects which is what i do now um but also while i was at at university up at uh, in st andrews in scotland i got a, a part-time job alongside my studies as a bookseller at topping company which is a wonderful small group of independent bookshops um dotted about the uk they've got i think four of them in different towns and cities um and there I, I fell in love with book selling, absolutely. And in my final year, probably did far too much book selling and not quite enough studying, or certainly not as much as my tutors may have liked. Um, but I absolutely adored that feeling of, you know, recommending a book to someone and then they come back the next week and have loved it and you can talk to them about it. And that that sort of relationship building um, and just talking about books in a, 
in a non-academic set setting, you know, for their own sake was was really wonderful. So these um, are new books we're talking about, Topping Sold yeah, New Books. Yeah, yeah, to Topping Topping Sold New Books. Um, but sort of alongside this at the same time, I had that developing interest in, in older books, both through my studies and I started collecting um you know in a in not a particularly serious way um first editions of books by you know authors that i that i enjoyed um just as a sort of little hobby on the side not that i could afford much as a student um and then when it when it came to graduating university i had a sort of decision to make did i want to stay and you know go into academia or go into book selling and and ultimately i chose um, I chose the latter. I couldn't. I didn't feel like I could leave bookselling behind, having enjoyed it so much. And that's when I moved down to Oxfordshire and, and started working at Yonkers. And I've been there since um, since 2017, so nearly six years now. And no regrets? Oh, absolutely not. No, I adore what I do. Um, it's the the best job in the world, and I couldn't dream of doing anything anything different. So tell us a little bit about Yonkers then. So. Um... So Henley is obviously a small market town on in Oxfordshire, famous for its regatta. Uh, but tell us a bit about the shop. Mm, so Yonkers have been in uh, have been in Henley for I think a little over twenty years now, um, and in the present location that we're in for the last seven years or so, um, we have an open bookshop, which is quite rare now in the in in the book trade. You know, we're open six days a week, and we chiefly deal in English literature with a specialism in, in children's books and, and generally English literature from, you know, Chaucer to Harry Potter. Um, and we deal in other areas too, things like travel and exploration. Um, we do uh, quite a lot of polar exploration in particular. Um, and what we essentially do is we keep a relatively small stock of a couple thousand books um, and try and offer books and manuscripts that are you know, best in class examples. And that could be things like, you know, because of their association, because of an authorial inscription, because of annotations in them, because of the life that book's led or because of its condition, um, you know, to, to not just offer, you know, great books, but great copies of great books. And that applies whether it's a book that's, you know, a hundred pounds or hundreds of thousands of pounds. Um, so we're very, very picky about the the sorts of books that we buy and bring into stock and, and offer to our customers. Um, but as a result, we end up with these these really remarkable books that all have all have great um, great stories to tell. Um, a, an example of this, I was working today. I was cataloging a copy of The Wind in the Willows that was published in 1951, um, which was when Methwin published the 100th edition of the wind in the willows and they wanted to make a, a grand book for the occasion so they bound it in leather and um had arthur rackham's illustrations in it 12 color plates by arthur rackham printed it in handmade paper and asked a uh, a milne to write an introduction for it um so it's quite a cool book in its own right um but the copy i was working on today was the copy that was owned by a a milne given to him by the publishers um, which is quite an extraordinary thing because Milne, when Wind in the Willows first came out 40 years before this, was um, was a young author. But by the 1920s, he'd published his Winnie the Pooh books and he actually adapted the Wind in the Willows for stage 
um, with Tade of Tate Hall that came out in, in 1929 and is still, you know, still produced today in, um, in schools and theatres all over the country. Um, and he writes this introduction to this edition, um, the copy of which I'm holding is his. And his introduction to this is, is one of the most remarkable things I've ever read in, in support of a book. He's uh, fierce to the point of almost insulting his reader. Um, the, the thrust of it is that if you read Wind in the Willows and don't like it, it's your own damn fault. Um, you know, don't blame him for recommending it or or Kenneth Graham for writing it. You know, there must be something wrong with you. And he has this great line where he says, you know, nep- uh, uncles should give the book to their nephews and adjust their will accordingly based on their reaction. Um, so it's a, it's a remarkable little piece of writing. And and this copy of The Wind in the Willows that, that we have is his. And by 1951, um, Graham had been dead 20 years, Rackham had been dead 12. So here's the sole surviving contributor to the book. Um, so it's such a such a cool thing to to have and to catalogue and to work on and to, to offer for sale. And that's the sort of book that we um, we're looking for, you know, not just a copy of Wind in the Willows, not just an example of of this edition, um, but something, you know, really quite special. It's those little stories that I particularly love. And I, I see you getting so excited on those TikTok <laughs> videos when you're telling the story. Um, yeah, well, that's because they're, you know, for, for the for the viewer, I guess it's an it's an interesting thing to watch. I hope, you know, hopefully it's an interesting story and it's an interesting thing to to see. Um, but on top of that, I'm actually holding it in my hands, you know, and that's a huge, a wonderful feeling um, and a real privilege with with some of these books that that hold these stories and contain these stories to um, to to handle and to deal with them. I, I, I can't see how anyone wouldn't get excited by yes. this. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing, really. What some of the things that I, I see you holding up, uh, and you're explaining about uh, some really useful TikToks about condition. Like you explain why one book is forty dollars and one why so well, forty pounds and one why is four hundred, and you go into those little mm. details about how condition or the presence of something like a, a certain aspect or an attribute that can make all the difference to price. Um, yeah, absolutely. And these things, these things aren't, you know, aren't necessarily obvious to people who are who are fresh to book collecting. Um, there can be a kind of assumption that, you know, people just, uh, you know, you know, are born knowledgeable book collectors. But these are things that as, you know, as booksellers, we have to communicate with people and explain. And especially if you're going to charge a premium for a book being in extraordinary condition or having these amazing stories behind them. Um giving that giving that context of where it sits in the market where it sits versus other copies um is really important and being able to you know communicate that in um in videos is is so so helpful um for us to be able to you know get that across to people who are interested in um in book selling and it right. sort of gives them the equipment to you know go out and be and be book collectors so what video has the most views um I, I'm not actually sure. I think the, the 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 first video I made that that got to over a million views was about um Henry Miller's Tropic of Cancer, the right. first edition of Tropic of Cancer. Um and that is probably up there with 
um, with the most viewed videos because of the the story behind it. I mean, you you look at a first edition of Tropic of Cancer and you're confronted with this grotesque crap on the front cover of the book that was designed by the publisher. And the publisher was essentially a pornographer, but it was designed by his 14-year-old son. Um, And then you look down at the bottom of the front cover of the book and you see these words in bold, all caps, not to be imported into Britain or the USA. And that starts to intrigue you. And then you go into the history of the book and how it was banned in Britain and America, could only be published in France, and then had to be sent out, um, you know, clandestinely all over the world. Um, You know, to the extent that when George Orwell was writing about Henry Miller in his um, in his great essay Inside the Whale, you know, it was difficult for people to be able to actually get hold of a copy to see what Orwell was on about. Um, so books with that sort of deep story behind it have done well. And, and you know, b- b- banned books is something that's really in vogue at the moment. So, so those great banned books like of the 20th century, like Lady Chatley's Lover and and Ulysses, the stories behind them, I think, have resonated particularly well at the moment. Yes, yeah, always topical. That Henry yeah. Miller book's pretty hard to read. Have you actually read it? It's like it's quite hard, quite <laughs> no, dense. I, I've, read, I've read excerpts of it, but I haven't gone cover to cover. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's, you know, often what's quite interesting with, with Miller is that you often read banned books, you know, a book like Ulysses or a book like Lady Chatley's Lover. And you sort of think, really? You know, this was enough to get a, to prevent a book's publication and to, um, and to sort of ruin an author's life and so on. Um, with Henry Miller, you read it and you can sort of see, OK, well, I can kind of see how this is bad. You know, it's still jarring, you know, in, in certain instances to a 21st century audience in a way that, you know, Lady C isn't at all, really. Yes. Yeah. Things change and things move on. Um, do you enjoy talking about um, like hypermodern books? So I'm sure you get lots of questions about is my Harry Potter valuable? Um, mm. Perhaps not as many as we used to, but do you still get those <laughs> questions? Yes. No, I mean, I, I mean, you get lots of questions about Harry Potter because millions of people own a copy. Um, so and also, I mean, sort of the there's I guess the the connecting point to that is that uh, a first edition of the first book is extraordinarily valuable. Um, so people are very interested to know if they if they have one. So we're you know, get we get questions all the time about Harry Potter books and we're active buyers of um, first editions of them. Um, where they're, you know, either the early books or the later books in the series signed. Um, and we have lots and lots of people interested in acquiring them as well as lots of people interested in in selling them to us. Right. Um, but there are other there are other more modern books that I've um, that I've spoken about. We don't go much past. I mean, our sweet spot really in terms of what we deal in um, is sort of between Jane Austen and the Second World War, that kind of 100 and 130 year period of, of English yeah. literature. Um, but we do get we do get some more modern books in, um, but not a whole load post-war. So when I was looking at the Yonkers site last night, one thing mm. struck me. I, I went to your um, sell books to Yonkers page and you mm. had a specific list of authors and titles that you were interested in buying. And it wasn't that long a list. It, like, if mm. I was to read the list, it would be a great reading list. 
but <laughs> yes <laughs> what, why is a business so specific about what it wants well we're really really specialized so we we tend to deal in books that that we know uh, often books that we've handled you know multiple copies of before um, because then we're really best placed to know their place in the market know how they compare to other copies of the book and you know therefore recommend them or not to to our customers um keeping a keeping a small stock is something that we're not you know not at all shy about we reject you know maybe we well we probably buy one book in every ten thousand that we look at um and that's a you know that's a pretty low hit rate but um we're really only interested in exceptional copies of books and books by authors for you know for whom we have customers you know that that list of uh, authors on our website are people uh, authors for whom we have lots and lots of people interested in um so we're always looking to to acquire good you know good quality material by those authors okay all right um right two two more questions sure uh, first one what will be your next tiktok and why um the the next video i'm actually uploading just after we finish our conversation i filmed it this morning um and it's a, a little bit about the publishing history of the winnie the pooh books which is quite interesting from a bibliographic standpoint because they were issued simultaneously in multiple formats becoming more and more luxurious as you go um so you have the trade edition this is when we were very when we were very young published in 1924 winnie the pooh published in 1926 now we are six published in 1927 in the house at pooh corner published in 1928 this four-year period where these four hugely influential books um appear for the first time um and they come in a trade edition which is a lovely gilt decorated cloth with the eight shepherds illustration in vignette on the upper cover and in a dust jacket um and that's the standard issue and they were um, they were published at uh, seven shillings and sixpence to buy on publication. The same text block was issued in a deluxe binding, a soft leather binding that's quite prone to wear. That has some extra gilt on it compared to the trade edition. Um, and they were published at 10 shillings and sixpence. But this was the roaring 20s and there was a sort of demand for a more luxurious book. And so in addition to these standard edition and deluxe edition, the publishers produced a large paper edition. Now for these, there were 350 copies. They're much larger in format. They're more of a quarto size with lovely wide margins printed on handmade paper. And each of these 350 were, um, were signed by E.H. Shepherd and by A.A. Milne. Um, and they were bound in quarter cloth over paper covered boards. So it's a bit more of an oldie worldy feel to it and a plain dust jacket. And they were 42 shillings, which was an awful lot of money for a book in um, in 19 in the 1920s. You know, that's, you know, four times the price of a of a standard standard hardback. Yeah. Um, and then in addition to this, almost wanting to outdo themselves again, they printed 20 super limited extra deluxe copies, whatever you want to call it. Um, and these 20 copies were printed on uh, Japanese vellum rather than paper. So that wonderful, creamy, tactile surface that, you know, takes black ink so beautifully. 
and they were bound in a in a sort of lovely creamy vellum binding gilt stamped lettering to the to the covers and um and again signed by um by Milne and Shepherd and that is kind of the height of 1920s um luxury in terms of a, a trade publication um so I was taking people in that video through those through those four formats um because we have examples of, of each of them in stock at the moment right what you've just described is still happening today I can't remember mm. who publishes the Cormac McCarthy books because you released two two one in October and one in November last year and it's yes. exactly the same exactly the same mm. formula the trade and then these special editions and then a special special edition yes <laughs> that he signed yeah yeah some things don't change no absolutely <laughs> all right uh okay my final question which we asked to all our guests and that is what book or books are you currently reading um i've been reading well over, over, i received it just before christmas because it was just published um but it's a book called speaking volumes by david pearson um and i think your listeners might be interested in it because it's about the history of the book david's a, a brilliant book historian and the book takes takes you through chapter by chapter some of the things I've been talking about today, the way that the different ways that different copies of books can tell you something about themselves or the time they were made in and illuminate their history, whether that's, you know, being differentiated by their binding or by their annotations or their ownership or things that have happened to them through the years. Um, one of my favorite examples in the book, I actually made a video about um, last week, and that's an, an 1841 edition of Robert Burns's poems, um, which in itself is not a particularly rare or, or exciting book. There are plenty of mid 19th century editions of Burns. Um, but this copy is different because it was the copy that was owned by Frederick Douglass, um, which is a pretty special thing to get started with. Um, but it also, on top of that, contains an inscription from Douglas, which says that that was the very first book he bought after be, after becoming a free man, after escaping slavery, um, which is a, a remarkable thing. And you turn over the page from that inscription and you see a second inscription, which is him giving it to his son 30 years later. Um, and that's the sort of thing, the sort of story that a book can have that 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 book speaking volumes is is utterly utterly filled with um so that's been really great fun to to read and it's not just things like you know standard book trade things like annotations and ownership and bindings you've got books that were you know destroyed during the blitz or narrowly escaped fire yeah. or books with bullets wedged into them because they're in someone's breast pocket when they got shot at um, yeah, some really, really fun stuff. And as a, you know, that, that that sort of book for me is sort of my equivalent of a, you know, Jack Reacher novel or something. I could just absolutely devour it. So you love books about books? Oh, no, absolutely. That's the, the, the majority of my reading is, um, you know, reference books about book history and, and book collecting. I, I absolutely love it. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. That's all we have time for today. Thank you to bookseller Tom Ailing for joining us. Thank you very much. It's been a, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Tom is a bookseller with Yonkers Rare Books in Henley on Thames and a rare book TikToker. 
you can search for Tom Ailing and you'll find him on TikTok. So his last name is spelt A-Y-L-I-N-G. His handle is Tom W. Ailing, one word. Thanks for listening. My name's Richard Davis, and you've been listening to an Abe Books podcast, and we'll see you all again soon.